You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This message, Revelation chapter 3, has been confirmed over and over again the last few weeks. I really truly believe that God wants me to speak to us about this one verse. And then there are some things that have actually happened in the service as I look over the crowd and I said, Lord, you're authenticating it in my heart. Brother Martinez sang that song. I don't know if I've heard that song since the 1950s. And there was a phrase in there, I swung my heart's door open. I was speaking to you this morning at Christ, our, this subject, the king at the door. God's been knocking at your heart's door and you know it. And I know it. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you know God. But he's knocking at your heart door for something. If you're, if you're saved, he's knocking all the time. There's something he wants to speak to your heart from the Bible, through a song, through church, uh, through somebody sitting around. There's something that God wants, he's speaking to you, he's dealing with, and me too. God's knocking at my door all the time. And if you're lost, he's knocking at your door. I memorized this verse, the best I can Look back at 1960, I believe. I was on a Sunday morning in a verse down contest. And I'll never forget that, memorizing this particular verse we'll, we'll read. And then I had to use it in college a lot for a soul winning class that I was taking. And I already knew the verse. God already was using it in my heart. 1959, our family had moved to Stockton, California. My dad was over here at the car dealership in Centerville. He worked there as a mechanic and he had a road, drove a, tr- a tow truck driver. But my dad was 90% deaf. And in 1959, from bell tone and audio tone, hearing aids, they discovered something. They, they invented a hearing aid that was in, in the frame of the glass. And so you could have a uh, 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 ear mold made for your ear and put it right here. I can remember wrestling with my dad in 1950s. He'd wear those old T-shirts. And he'd pull his shirt off and he had those, those T-shirts with the straps, you know. And he had a transistor. I have a, a little transistor here for this microphone. It was just like this. And, and, and he had one on this side hooked onto his shirt and one on this side. And then he had a cord that would come up, go around his ear, and, and that's how he could hear. He could hear real well with the hearing aids. We'd wrestle. A lot of times I can remember, so okay, now wait, 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 just fell off, fell off. Let me take it off. <clears throat> and we'd wrestle. Whether he had those hearing aids or not, or not he'd always win. And in 1959, I'll never forget, he got so excited. He said, I can have hearing aids on these glasses, not have to have those. He was embarrassed by those transistors and the wires coming up. So I went into business, we, two years later lost the business. My dad was a great salesman, but in that area, 
he found a guy up in Sonora one time, and he says, you need these. He says, I don't have money. He said, well, I'm just going to buy them and give them to you. And the guy says, well, I got a 1929 Dodge in the garage. I don't want it. My dad came driving home and pulling in a trailer, that Dodge. I'll never forget it. We never did anything. We gave it away to someone else. But he's so excited that he could hear without those transistors. So we were over in Stockton, and we joined the Calvary Baptist Church. And at Calvary Baptist Church, Dr. John R. Siemens was an old, probably my age, old gray-headed man, and he combed it back, such a dignity. And his wife's name was Gladys, John and Gladys. Old-fashioned names, of course, John's not. And, and, and in our church, we didn't have a baptistry. It wasn't built that way, so we had one outside, and I was baptized out there. But behind us, right here where we have that cross, was a huge picture. And it was a picture of what people depicted Jesus Christ, and there was a door, and he was knocking at the door. It's based on this verse we're going to see today. I, I hear Dr. John R. Siemens preach, and I look there, and I see Jesus at the door, and I always thought, that's kind of a strange picture. Really, what I didn't know about it, the verse, it's so sad. Pastor, you'll get there in a few weeks. Jesus is at the door of the church knocking, Revelation chapter 3. He's at, it's like it, right now, if you pulled in here, all these doors were locked, and a solid door, and Jesus at the door knocking. Wouldn't it be a shame we get to heaven and find out God wasn't in here? He's outside because our sin and wickedness and self-will and pride uh, keeps him out of here. I want to go to church like you said this morning. I want to go to church where I know that God is here. So you look at Revelation 3, 20, and I want you to read it with me, if you will, today, real briefly. <coughs> Pardon me. Revelation 3, 20. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, How sad that Jesus is outside the door of Laodicea, this church, and he's at the door of the church knocking. Will you let me in? Will you let me in? And today I speak to you on the subject, just simply the king at the door. I've had the privilege twice to be in D.C. and one time actually meet with the president and then a different president. I went to a prayer breakfast, but I was very close to him, and I could sit there, and our congressman would come to church here a lot, and, and so he invited me to come to this. And you know, I tell you what, I got so ready, got in the night before, went to the hotel, I repressed my shirt, I checked my shoes again, make sure they're polished, make sure everything was orderly, I made sure that I'd be up right and early, and I walked down the streets of Washington very early, about five o'clock in the morning, still dark, and I walked to go to this prayer breakfast and get in, and I had to get special clearance and all that business. Another time, I was right next door to the White House, and about 80 of us preachers met with them, and he, he summons us, a, a different president, asked us to come. I tell you, it was so big for me. 
uh, to go to D.C. And, and, and be in the presence of these big leaders. A king from uh, Abdul was there. Uh, 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 Supreme Court justice were there. It's just an amazing thing to see. Senators were there. Uh, ambassadors were there. Uh, at this meeting, it was just amazing. But you know, I was able to get in because I accepted the call. I recall when the congressman called the second time and he said, Pastor, I'd like you to, he left work with the secretary, I'd like you to come to D.C. and and meet this meeting in the morning at the hotel, the same hotel where Ronald Reagan was shot. And I said, well, just tell him I'm not really interested. And I got thinking about that. I was out of town preaching and got thinking, well, maybe I ought to be interested. And, and I later in the day called the secretary and said, call the congressman back and said, I think I'd like to come. And I'm so glad I came and went to that meeting. I'm glad my heart was opened to the invitation. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's talking about a church. I'm knocking at the church house. You know, I want to say that as Jesus knocks at the door of his house, one, we need to see it's a place of importance. Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I, I don't think it takes the brains of a rocket scientist to understand we're running out of time. This whole world is waxing worse and worse. And what's happened the last two years, we're redefining male and female and children. And they have to, states are now passing rules that children cannot transform their bodies until they're 12 years of age or 18 years of age. Who would ever think we'd get that demented, evil, to do this to our children? One state's trying to pass right now that children can get any kind of vaccine they want without parents' permission. You gotta be kidding. Government does not own your children. Those children, the Bible says, were invested in your care as a heritage for you and for me to raise in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And, and Jesus, Jesus says that I'm, I'm knocking the door. It's a place of importance. No stadium. I want to take more importance over God on the Lord's day. No slope, no lake, no mountain, no motel, uh, no, no hotel, no mall, no recreation, no gardening. God sent his son, Jesus, who loved us so much that he died for us and gave his life for the church. It's a place of importance. I find it's not only a place of importance, a place of giving. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you myself included, laid by him in store, God has prospered. It's a place of importance, it's a place of giving, it's a place of prayer. My house shall be called a place of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. It's number four, a place of teaching and preaching. The Bible says in Acts chapter five, that they continued daily in the temple and in every house ceasing not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It's a place of judgment. First Peter chapter four, judgment must begin at the house of God. I'm preparing a message right now. I don't know when I'll preach it, if I'll even preach it this year. 
But I've been studying something that I've not conquered in my life and you haven't either. Humility. Brother Harold, one of our associate pastors who's now in Kentucky preaching, he used to say here, he'd say, I'm, I'm humble and proud of it. <laughs> Sounds like him. Judgment begins at the house of God. I think of humility. You know, I, I've seen some people, I saw a lady last week right down here in the front just weeping, getting saved, just weeping over her sin. But I think about Christians. I don't know when the last time I saw any Christian weep over the fact that we don't have revival. I don't know when I saw the last time, and this is the greatest church in all the world, anybody weep over teenagers. We have the most amazing teenagers here weeping over their lives, the environment we're bringing them in, weeping over these Bible college students that are here from around the, the country and all these states and around the world that are studying. Right now, many of them are out teaching and preaching in our ministries. But I, I, think, of, I, I, think, of, I, I think of their lives are so important. Right now, they have to marry right. They, they must find the right partner to take them through life to help them uh, to fulfill the when did we ever weep? When did we weep over our marriage? I got some people outside of this church right now that have, have, have really broken their marriage bonds, and I'm working with them and with their pastor's knowledge and, 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 and just the brokenness, how they're weeping. A lot of times we weep when we get caught. But I think about weeping for souls. We sing that song, Dost Thou Not Care? That millions are dying. Dying in sin and despair, we began this service, and every second, two people have gone off into eternity. Every second. Three people are born every second. Two people die. I think of a preacher friend of ours that passed away younger than me this week. And I think of how quickly life goes quickly passing by. Don't we care that there's people that have never heard the gospel message that Jesus is the answer? Judgment needs to begin. I need to be convicted of my sin, but respond. It's a place of respect. The church is a place of respect. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3 that thou oughtest know how to behave thyself in the house of God. It's not a carnival. It's not a rock concert. It's not a social gospel. We have a world that's in desperate need of true Christianity. It's a place of singing. And in the midst of the church, the Bible says, I will sing praises to him. I love it that we're known as the singing church. But I close today. Don't get your shoes on yet, girls, because closing is going to take a little while. But not just God's house, but God says we are earthly house. How about your house? Christian, can you tell me when was the last time God knocked at your door for anything. When was the last time he knocked on your heart about serving him or stewardship or soul winning or cleaning up our lives, separation, sanctification? When was the last time that, that God truly dealt with you as a Christian? Whereas Isaiah said, speak, Lord, thy servant here. God doesn't speak to me audibly. But God speaks to me through his word. God spoke to me. That old song you asked me the other day, I th I'm thinking about singing this. 
I wanted to say don't sing it. It's so old. But I've learned with this man that you got to let God speak to his heart. And I was so excited about you singing. I, I want to say while you're singing it, I, rem- I want to say I remember my dad singing that. I might be wrong. And when you sang that, God began to really work on my heart. There's no disappointment in Jesus. And then when you sang, swing my door wide open, I thought, God, you're just speaking to me. I never want to really govern his life. He gives me, I could tell him, don't sing that. And I could. And sometimes the Spirit of God said, would you sing this song? I tell you, I'll watch the people. They just, you, you don't even know that. So it's just so old. I mean, it is old. It's about as Mark, old as Brother Mark down here. It was an old song. God used it today. I'm glad that he listened to God. I'm glad I listened to God to not tell him no. Has God spoken to you today already? What needs to change? I'm so harsh to my wife. I'm so harsh to my husband. I'm neglectful of my children. I'm not in my Bible and I'm not allowing God to speak to my heart. And so Jesus knocking at your heart's door. For one month now, I've been thinking so much and praying for some folks in this church that are visiting and coming and that this would be the day of your salvation. I don't know if it is or not. But I've been singing every week. I wish I could sing like you folks can sing someday. You'll hear God's final call to you to take his offer of salvation true. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew. God's final call, God's final call. An old preacher many years ago preached a message crossing over God's three deadlines. I cannot preach it. Like he had, he's been in the home with the Lord probably 50 years or more. But I've read the message. You know, it seems like you can cross over and God just says, I'm not coming back. I've knocked at your heart's door. I've knocked, I've knocked, and I've re- you've rejected, and you said no. That led me to think about the last three, four weeks so much, the subject of hell. How even Satan himself will be cast into hell for one long eternal night forever. Yet God is not willing that any should perish. That sweet old Dr. John R. Seamans would stand there and I wouldn't listen to him. I'd look at that picture. It's an amazing thing. And behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And our church is young. We Church started in 1975. We're soon going to be 50 years of age. And when we came, Miss Trevor and I, the church was six months old. I preached my first message here on February 8th, 
1976, there was about 25 people, 35 people there that day. I preached Sunday school and taught on Acts 12 and Sunday morning John 3:16 and Sunday night Ephesians 6 and we had five adults and only probably 20 people in the church, five, six, and, and they walked forward and got saved that day. I'll never forget it. I said, Lord, I've preached more. I was an assistant pastor, but I said, I've preached more today than I have any time in my life. First, second, only second time I preached in church. We had that little church. And the first three or four years, every Saturday, I'd, I'd make a route. I'd go visit the people that were coming. During the week at 1 o'clock, I'd go door knocking every day. <clears throat> I remember that first week over here by the post office leading James and Diana Broussard to Christ. Oh, that's just such a wonderful thrill. But on Saturday, I would devote it to the people that were coming. I'd not, go see, I'd not go see Ed Brownlee. He was my chairman of my deacons. He's home with the Lord and his wife. They were coming so faithful. And I'd not go see, you know, Sonny Wilkins and a few other folks like this, Brother Chet Roberts. I wouldn't go visit them. Most of them were out visiting too. But I made a route. And I'd go down to, a lot of times, South San Jose. And then I'd cut over a new area over there off by Barry It was all called North Valley. And I'd start in that area, and I'd normally never go into a house. I'd just go to the door and say, hey, want to make sure you're going to be in church tomorrow, and I'd make my route. And then I'd go up through Melpitas and into Fremont, sometimes cross the Dumbarton Bridge, others caught across, now it's 237, go to Moffat Field. I'd spend several hours. My wife would go there on the bus working at Moffat Field, bus three, and I'd just go door to door. We had so many Chief Olin and Chief Cole and Chief... Chief Van Dyke over here. So many people got saved those days. And I was trying to figure it out. Then I'd come back through Sunnyvale and Mountain View, Santa Clara. It would take me about eight hours every Saturday, just running by, checking on people. You know, some of those places I could see when they were getting tired of me coming. Several times I saw we used to have drapes, maybe you have them too, but a lot of folks, everybody had drapes. And I'd see the, I'd knock, and this is a policeman's knock or a, that means I'm coming through. Um, this is a 10-minute knock. This is my historic knock. I've always knocked this way. Those last two knocks that you don't do drive people crazy. And you want to go, that's a friendly knock. We used to sing the song, oh, how sweet to walk round and round the block, ringing doorbells for my Lord, wearing out my shoes, telling God's good news, ringing doorbells for my Lord, ringing doorbells. But I never ring doorbells because I didn't know doorbells were going to work. So I was knock on doors. And sometimes I'd see the occurred <laughs> begin to move. I said, they don't want to see me anymore. I'd skip a couple weeks, and then sometimes I'd skip a month. I knew. One time, well, more than once, but I can think, I can think of the person's name right now. And <clears throat> I went to the door, and they had rock music blasting away, just blasting away. And then all of a sudden, and you could hear people in there, and then it got real quiet, and they turned it down. 
Must have thought, oh, the old preacher's here, you know. One time I got to a door, I could tell you the house, I could take you right over there. There was about six people that lived on that street, and I went and saw all, and I started here, and the guy down the street, he saw me coming. I saw him, and I think he knew I saw him. He backed up his truck into the driveway. His boat was in the, in the garage, and he hooked them both up. And I went to the door, and he put the garage door down, and he's knocking on, I'm knocking on the door. I, I think he knew I was there. And finally, he had to answer the door. said, yep, I'll be in church tomorrow. Be there, be there. I'll never forget it. I walked away from there and said, you're not going to be there. You're going to the lake. I drove my car around the corner just for the laugh. And I hadn't been around the corner five minutes. And here I see that truck and that boat going and he didn't see me, and I said, see you later. I'm not saying he was a bad person. He didn't want my knock. The drapes didn't want my knock. The music didn't want my, my, my knock. I wonder if you're saved. Are, are you born again? And if not, today is not be the final call. I wonder if you're a Christian, but you've said no to God so much that we sing, He still speaks. I, I know His voice. What was the last thing God told you this week? God convicts us, He instructs us, He teaches us through the Holy Spirit. What, what, what has He said in your heart? I think so often, I wish I could have redos. I'm married to the most wonderful lady in the world. But I'd get, especially early when I was a young, young husband, I'd get short, I'd get bothered. She knows this, and she was always just ready, steady, and I, 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 I wouldn't let that harbor. I'd, within a moment or two or three or four, I'd come and say, you know, I spoke harshly to you. I didn't yell at her and throw things at her. I just, I, sp- I, did, I did not respond. And, and uh, I can remember one time that she did something irritating. Well, I don't know what it was. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I want to come back and say I'm sorry. <laughs> she said, I accept your apology. I looked there and said, well, I said, she said, well, what? I said, what about you? She said, I wasn't wrong. Oh, brother, round two is coming now. So I had to come back again and then come back again for round two. I said, I'm so sorry. You know what I'm talking about, Jose. You've been there many times. (laughs) But, you know, I remember she taught me something. She said, honey, I don't know if you're apologizing, you are trying to negotiate. And that's exactly what I was doing. It's pride. I know, I can tell you this, God has spoken to me so many times to just, just always try to be right by her. We have three children. Our son-in-law is here, he's the principal of our school for Last 15, 16, 17 years, worked in 19, I don't know what it is. Our son pastors in Phoenix area, Surprise, Arizona, and our 
son-in-law pastors in Newport Beach. All of our kids are serving God. I got a grandson that's out serving in Christian school ministries. They had 50 saved in Christian schools this week in Georgia or Florida. I've got a granddaughter in a Bible college in Florida. I just, we, we have such a wonderful family. But you know, God will speak to me. Text Titus. He's out preaching right now. My grandson texted him. And I obeyed. He texted me back this week, said, Papa, that means so much that you always take the time. My, my son called me. I said, Tim, I feel so bad. I haven't talked to you in weeks. We try to talk all the time. He said, Dad, I feel the same way. And, and we just, I, I love talking to him. I love talking to these kids. I love it when I knock on their heart's door that they say, Papa, I've got time for you. I've got time. Normally I'll text these kids that are older and I'll say, do you have time to talk? And they'll text back, I'm in a class or I'm doing this. I'll call you later. And they do. Christian, what? How, how's God knocking today? What's he saying to you? Behold, He's talking to church. I'm standing at the door knocking. If any man will hear my voice, will open the door. I'll come in and sup with him. He'll fellowship with you. An unsaved person. I don't know why I've been so overwhelmed. Some of you dear folks are so great. I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt your salvation. I'm talking about people you've not been saved. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.